are these people? Hey, everybody. We're back for another episode of Nobody Wants to Work Anymore. Of course. Nobody. Nobody at all. Except everybody. Um, but thanks, thanks, employers, for making it so fucking difficult to submit a job application at your websites. That's really helpful. Really appreciate that. Um, really appreciate all those automated systems that keep rejecting applications way, way sooner than possible. And uh, the ghosting is just wonderful as well. So really appreciate all those things. And then gaslighting us by saying nobody wants to work anymore. Just mwah. That's just the icing on the cake. So I'm Indy for everyone who doesn't know and can't read there. Um, and this is the snow himbo, my buddy sitting next to me. Um, we have been looking for gigs for a while and we were just laughing about how ridiculous this, this market is and some of the things that are happening out there. And so we said, you know what, let's make, let's make a little show out of this. Um, yeah. So we've done like and, four, um, right. We've done like four of these already. So tonight we really didn't have much of a topic picked out, but. Himbo gave me gave me a few things that he experienced during the week. And um we can kind of start there and figure out where it goes. Um I got three or four letters, of course. We could start there. Uh, you know, we've been kind of starting with the what happened in the last week with the job applications that you submitted. And I know, you know, we had about a, about another 15, 20, 25 applications submitted this week. At least for me, and seven or eight, seven or eight rejections, and a couple of older ones that had come in and been like, "Yeah, no thanks." Uh, we picked somebody else, which who knows whether that's real or not. So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so let's l l let's flip in. Now you got you got a kind of interesting. I like your response here to this. So let, let me flip over so that we can share screens. So you got a letter this morning within a day. You said, I think it was today or yesterday, right? Yeah. So um, to be perfectly honest, I always recommend this, but um, ask for feedback as often as you can, especially with these weird, like, you got disqualified almost immediately to the point where, like, your red flags are going off and you're like, what the fuck? There's no way human read this. Ask them for feedback. Um, a lot of the time, nobody will reply to you. Mm. Um, but I literally just, I'm at, the, <laughs> I'm at the fuck it point. And you'll, if you're looking for a job, you might be able to relate that you're, you might be at the fuck it point where you're like, you know what? I'm just going to say whatever I want because I'm done. I'm fed up. And you know what? Like my experience, once you, I, I've mentioned this before, I'm sure, but once you get to the fuck it point, your chance of getting a job actually increases exponentially because you're like, you're no longer boring. You become interesting. And that can go one of two ways, but you never know when it's going to go your way. One of them is going to hire so you, right? So I basically just said, thanks so much for getting back to me so quickly regarding my application exclamation point. Um, already, already anybody who's reading this, if a human does read this, is going to be like, oh, he's pissed. <laughs> um could I get some feedback per chance? I can't believe I per chance. Jesus Christ. Per chance. Per chance. That's how you know uh, a motherfucker has been playing too much Baldur's Gate. <laughs> when they when they break out per chance. Um, 
I love it. Jesus. I'd love to know how a human rejected this so promptly uh, and what I can do to improve. Appreciate it. Um, Ask for less money. You don't have to be as blunt as this, but realistically, like, asking for feedback, sometimes it can get you, like, an actual interview because it forces, it it usually forces someone to actually look at your resume. Um, I once wrote one where I was just like, so did y'all use a keyword crawler or what? Because this, this was, like, a response in six hours. And... It becomes a lot less believable when you're applying on something like LinkedIn and it kind of shows you like how many applicants are there and you're like, okay, 400 people have applied to this job. I get rejected in three hours. Like, I don't know, man. Doesn't seem like someone looked at the fucking resume. Doesn't seem so. like, like, yeah, like they're actually hiring. When that, that to me is what I see more is a lot of these jobs that are out there seem to just be smoke. They're listed, yeah. they're listed, they stay listed, yeah. and then they either just come down and they list another one in a diff- slightly different role, or they just they just stay up and they just never fill them yeah. and continue to take applicants. And I won't apply for something that's been listed now for more than a month because I probably have already applied to it. So it's, it's just, yeah, the, you can hear well, the frustration what? because... It's it, it's very disheartening when you can't get any responses. It's just, you know, when you're qualified and you meet all, all the qualifications, it's just a lot of times even when they even put the salaries in and you know what the salary is and that's right in your wheelhouse, it's okay. So uh, this was another one that, <laughs> wow, funnies. Um, Definitely the most bizarre question I've ever seen on a job application. And this was from, I guess, a couple of years ago during lockdown. No, that was, that was 2020. This was after that. So, yeah. Um, what was your answer to this one? What, what would you do with the elephant? Uh, it's slipping my mind, but there's like, Oh my god, there's a million. You could go like the Dwight Schrute route and be like, I would I I I would <laughs> I would create a lot of meat from it because that would get me through the winter. That's right. Something. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Elephant meat. Or like <laughs> or like I would I would train it to defend my property. Or like, right. I don't know, I, I would I like I, I would I would train it to be a landscaper and then have a landscaping. That's actually a really good, you know what? That actually might get you an interview. If you're like, I would teach it skills so it could do like unpaid labor for me. That was, that would please the capitalists. Who's going to clean up all that elephant poop. That's what I want to know. I'll I'll train the elephant to do it. Right. Uh, That's very funny. But in one of the, the Facebook dad groups that I'm in, um, this week, somebody said, looking to rent an elephant for my kid's birthday. Anybody know where I can find one? It was a joke. The responses mm-hmm. were hilarious. And I said, does does that come with a guy behind it to shovel up any unexpected and unforeseen messes? And uh, he said, I imagine that it would. But uh, somebody said they once rented their, they rented an elephant in Vegas for some show and it cost them 18 grand like 10 years ago. 
Well, <laughs> I can imagine that's pretty accurate because, like, first off, transporting that fucker is going to be, like, ridiculous. And then feeding it's probably, well, no. I Aren't they pretty chill with the diet? You just give them, like, I don't know. Peanuts and well, it's got to be a lot. I mean, it's an elephant. It's got even a little bit for an elephant. It's a lot for a human, you know. Like, take three years to have babies and stuff, right? Two years, longest pregnancy there is. Dude, it's crazy. Um, Canadian business, very very lefty outlet. So, but they had an article that talked about cost of living and acknowledging that it's through the roof. So, can you leverage that to get a raise? And the reason I was looking, <clears throat> the reason I was looking into this just for a little bit of background, is because um, <clears throat> this was uh, this was something that actually happened organically today at work. Um, someone just mentioned the cost of living, and it sparked like this giant conversation. And I had to suppress like my organizer like union urges. Because I'm like, this would be great. And it's like, no, Brad, this would be a great way to get fired if you fall through on that fucking thought. Don't do this round <laughs> two of like, I'm going to try and organize a union over your company chat device because they're going to see that and they're going to shit on you. That happens. It happened to me. So um, it was really organic. Everybody just started talking about how the cost of living is insane because up here it is. I'm sure you've seen viral videos on it where everybody's like, hey, so I'm leaving Canada. Uh, is America any better? Spoiler. No. Um, <laughs> they're fucked too. Don't go, to, don't go down there if you think Canada is like a capitalistic hellscape. You're just going to move from one capitalist hellscape to another capitalist hellscape and you won't have health care now. So We're maybe don't do it. Like exactly. Like Misty says. Thank you, Robo Missy. Um, so everybody just started talking about like how expensive everything is, and then um, someone cleverly injected into the conversation how some companies are uh, doing cost of living raises. Okay, it was this guy. It was me. I, I injected it <laughs> at the opportunity. It was like a rogue sneak attack. I was like planting this right here. And yep, it hit. And then everybody else was like, wow, that's a really great idea. And so the point is, everybody was talking about like the cost of living and, you know, how like wages need to increase. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Like people need to bring home more or prices need to lower because like something's going to break. And, um, that prompted me to kind of look it up. It's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm wondering what like the consensus is on, uh, on like actually mentioning the cost of living because it's like okay well is that is that kind of like a an okay thing to actually discuss with your employer because if everything gets more expensive then you're you're essentially taking a pay cut you're not technically taking a pay cut but you're taking a pay cut insofar as the the money that they're paying you um is is going to go to less so mm -hmm. I looked into this article, and this article from a business website was everything I expected it to be, really. <laughs> um, dog shit take, and I'll, I'll, after we go through the article, I'll, I'll provide a little context as to why it's a dog shit take, but um, it was exactly so, what I expected. <laughs> so at least she's saying, she's acknowledging that the cost of everything is skyrocketing, and at the same time, wages are staying stagnant, and Canadians are increasingly finding it difficult to make ends meet. 
Ottawa-based think tank, the, the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. You think that's a, a lefty or a right-wing organization? What do you think? Um, we we don't have any. We're we're like the states. First off, we don't we don't have any left-wing anything up here. We just have different. We have like varying degrees of right. Um, right. So like, this is this is like neolib somehow. But uh, what they're saying is they they calculated how much workers would need in a, to make in a forty-hour work week in order to spend no more than thirty percent of their income on housing and what they call rental wage. Unsurprisingly, uh -huh. wealth, rental wages are much higher than the hourly minimum wage in every province. In in British Columbia, you need to be making at least twenty seven fifty four an hour, but the minimum wage is fifteen sixty five. In Ontario, you need to be making twenty five ninety six an hour. Interesting that Ontario is less than than BC. That's not what I would have thought. But of course, the scale on the minimum wage is also a little bit lower at fifteen fifty. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, to be fair though, BC is objectively a better place to live. We, BC actually does have some like temperate rainforests. Um, it's gorgeous. It's got mountains. It's coastal. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's objectively a better place. It's kind of like our California. Also, there are some better opportunities there insofar as like you can, you can do a lot of like film gigs or, you know, um, Ontario is cheaper too, though, because like it's a, it's huge as a province. Mm. Um, but B, there's a lot of it that how do I describe this? Um, there's a lot of it that just doesn't isn't inhabited really. If I go, if I go four hours in any direction, you're fighting bears and wolves, and there's no roads and like. <laughs> um, it's a joke up here where we basically like we civilized like 5% of the country and just said, fuck it for the rest of the 95%. And it's all on the U S um, border like, on top of it. Um, well, yeah, so, cause yeah. Yeah. But the unaffordability being top of mind for everyone. And I, that phrase has always bothered me for 15 plus years in this business world. Since I started working at a big corporation, top of mind, top of mind, like top of mind like where that is such a british phrase that doesn't mean like i get what it's trying to say like the forefront or what like there has to be a better way of saying that but you know everybody's thinking about top of mind everybody's thinking about it everybody's saying it financial planning and education body fp canada's 2023 financial stress index right finds money is the leading source of stress for canadians for the sixth year in a row only six mm -hmm. what was it before that Healthcare, maybe I wouldn't think so. You guys have healthcare to a point. Um, uh, I before that probably. I mean, for most of my life, everybody I know, it's it's been that across the board. Yeah. Um, it's been holy fuck. Why is rent so expensive? Uh, the big thing right now is groceries. We're just watching, like, like beef has gone through the roof. Holy shit! Food prices are out I'm of control. Yeah, I'm looking at a steak, and this happened the other day. I'm looking at a steak that used to cost, and I'm not joking, y'all. used to cost, like, maybe $9 Canadian, which is about $0.25 cents American. I'm kidding. <laughs> sort of. Um, but, like, it used to cost, like, $9. It was $25. Bucks. Wow. 
Not one in a restaurant. That's one in a supermarket. Yeah. You, have to, you still have and, to cook um, it yourself for $25. Wow. Which right. not to pat myself on the back, but it's probably better. This but is my still, favorite thing. Like, Can the rising cost of living be used as a bargaining chip to negotiate a raise or other job perks? Well, according to workplace experts, it might not be the most effective argument. <laughs> experts. It's always the experts. Experts agree that um, this this position that definitely doesn't favor you and definitely favors the the capitalists but um, instead, is actually the correct one. But instead, ask for non-salary perks like flexible hours or remote work to offset the inflation cost. It's so, the pizza party shit. Dude, I, well, I don't want to have to commute in as, as often because it's costing me too much to commute. So therefore, you either pay for my commute or you let me work from home. That's what they're talking about as far as the inflation and the cost. But that actually only serves the employer as well. So yeah. can you ask for a raise based on inflation? So this is, I think ChatGPT wrote this article, seriously. It's, it's, it's definitely someone who like, well, the thing I read from this whole article was like, don't get any ideas trolls like that's that's all i got from this that's all i gleaned from this entire thing um wholly depressing article experts say employees shouldn't use factors outside of their work performance when negotiating wages Mm -hmm. right because any wage increase would have to be commensurate with the productivity of the worker because their productivity hasn't already been off the charts like dude Productivity's yeah. already been out of out of sight, and everybody knows that productivity, on average, is higher than ever, and the per capita per employee output is higher than ever. They are squeezing us left, right, and sideways. This is all a gaslight. I agree. All right. It's not just. It's not just that. The point of this that really um, that really activates my almonds um, is that like. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I know. I'm a big weirdo. Uh, so the part of this that really that that really peanut butters my jelly, if you will, um, is that like, okay, they're gonna be like, you should argue on your productivity. This is the clapback nine out of ten times when you talk about like compensation is too low. I should get a raise. They'll they'll fire back with some variation of like. Well, if we raised your wage, then we're going to have to raise everybody. I, I had this happen this year for me. We're going to have to raise everybody else's wages. And it wouldn't be really be, if we raise your wage, it wouldn't really be fair to other people. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the productivity shit, that's absolutely a gaslight because, like, they're always going to have another. Every single time I've asked for, like, a raise or said, like, the pay is dog shit, please increase it over the last. 10 years it's some variation of well then we'd have to raise all the wages uh sorry this is just kind of the rate we have for the company it wouldn't be fair to everybody else uh it's all these things that have nothing to do with productivity so even if you're arguing like okay well measure my productivity to other people's fucking productivity because i've tried to argue that before where i'm like okay well look at my stats Compare that to everybody else's stats because I'm sorry, there have been jobs before where I know for a fact I've worked harder than other people. And um, that's not well, an argument for and like, deliver, it's not about working more. harder, it's about delivering 
you know, more effectively or more product, you know, more actual revenue. Yeah. That's that's what this whole thing is is about and you know when it comes into sales is is about delivering revenue. But uh getting back into this for for a second but there you go. Huh? Ultimately any wage increase would have to be commensurate with the productivity. Except the other thing is, is they just raise the bar. They'll raise your quota. They'll raise your stuff so that well then you're not as productive because you still didn't meet your your numbers because they raised the numbers on that. you before beforehand, making it impossible for you to achieve the numbers. The number of salespeople achieving quota is lower than ever right now because they've made it to the point where the bars are just raised too high because the targets were set too high because they took on too much equity, raised too many you know. Uh, hired too many people at too much money and now they've got to deliver to this but they're only producing at this and it's like they you know it's it, it's hard so um gomez I've had that happened to me too mm-hmm. employees who are I, I, mm-hmm. go ahead sorry i uh, know i just wanted to say i've literally had that happen before where it's like okay well you're gonna have to like jump through all these hoops if you want to be considered for a wage increase and this was after i just showed them like hey so this is the average of what this position should pay i've I've given you all the all the stuff it's right here um this is what like other companies are paying and they always have these like middle middlemen who are like okay well you know i gotta pitch this to the director and i gotta like talk to him and it's like I got to deal with you. You can't deal with that person. I kind of got to act in the middle and then you got to jump through these hoops. So gatekeepers. Yeah. 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 Gatekeepers. You know, we, we deal with that a lot. And, uh, you know, the, one of the lines that I was taught very early on in sales, which is never accept no from somebody who can't say yes. So I always just went higher. Like if I didn't get the answer I was looking for, I would go up. Even if it pissed off the person underneath me half the time, and half the time it would get me a deal and it would get them like, hey, look, it it just depends. If you're if you can make the case effectively, um, you always want to go as high as possible in in who you're you're presenting stuff to. But I, I don't like the fact again that they're talking about that all time high earnings for CEOs and increasingly large pay cap pay gap. Of course that is, right? But again, here they're saying don't ask for pay raises, but ask for non salary stuff. Of course, while while profits are already at all time highs, notice that they never said anything about oh here, despite all time high earnings for CEOs and a pay gap, but nothing about productivity and nothing about profitability because businesses are at an all time profitability high too, especially yep. even after pandemic with all the people out of work and not back in the office, which is something else we're going to talk about. But daycare stipends, meal plans for office workers. You know why you know why these are all good? Because they're write-offs for the business. They don't have to pay tax on this stuff. This is this is expense stuff so they can then write down their profitability and then they don't have to share as much profit with their co-owners and shareholders. They love washing through expenses like this, especially non-fixed regular ongoing expenses. All right? Those and, things And these are just like psychological tools to begin with because they're going to give you this shit and for the average person it's going to it's going to create a feeling of like obligation where you're like okay well they did this thing for us so i shouldn't really ask for more these right. are all psychological tricks yep um 
right? So how to negotiate a raise. Here, coming from Canadian business, I don't know if I would necessarily listen to them, but Robert Half uh, said that 58% of Canadian workers look for a job because of insufficient salaries in its 2023 guide. 45% of senior managers retain employees by increasing compensation. What a shock. Pay people more and they yep. stay. Yeah, because it's literally, it's not even anything personal. Like a lot, the reason why, like, for example, the reason why I'm looking right now, it's I love my coworkers. I love the people I report to. I love the company. I think they have a great outlook. I, 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 I want to do a lot more for them. But at the end of the day, it's the money. I have, this much, I have this much money I need to make. And if, if, if the, if the company is not going to be able to pay that much money, I'm forced to look elsewhere. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be like, Hey, all these like coworkers that I've like enjoyed working beside in this team that we're kind of all working together syner synergistically. Um, I'm going to throw all that away and go start with a completely new alien everything. Nobody fucking wants to do that. You're doing that because you're like, okay, well, I've exhausted all my options and I need to go find somewhere that pays more. Um, nobody you're wants to do that, especially after you've established yourself and you're kicking ass at the job. Why would you go like risk not kicking ass at another job when you've already mastered a job and you're kicking ass. I mean, you, shit, mm -hmm. nobody wants to do that. But if, if it's just not making enough money for you and they're dragging their feet on not giving you more money, then well, it's not you just no about option. And it's not just about you necessarily needing to make more money versus seeing what you're delivering for the company versus their pro their profitability and saying, you know, it's not really like you're, sharing the wealth here with the people that are actually generating the productivity and the profits. So that's oh also God. part of it. Um, but this, I swear to God, this gaslight, light. holy shit. Even mm -hmm. if you're rejected, anything can be a reminder to your manager of your hard work and might open up future opportunity within the company. Uh-huh. No, 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 it won't. It <laughs> fucking won't. That is just a placation where it's like, yeah, shoot your shot, and if you get turned down, just wait. Just sit there and wait. Wait. One day, someone will decide to pay you more without you, like, having to, like, jump through a million hoops for it. They'll just give you more money. That's how this works. Guys, I... I'm I'm gonna... I'm gonna make a point of reminding people every single episode in this show. Your employer almost certainly is doing everything they can to pay their labor as little as possible because we all live under an exploitative economic system um you're gonna have to fight tooth and nail to get a raise or you're gonna just have to make the case for a promotion because no one just gonna out of the blue be like hey yeah good news guys we're we're paying you more unless you you're lucky enough to live to work like in a worker co-op or something where, you know, the the surplus value of your labor is actually, like, determined by a group of people instead of just top-down. The only so, other way to, to make increases is to keep moving around. And that's what I found, too. I have a, a group of friends that every two to three years, they're moving and getting a new job and moving up in title and moving up in, in stature. And maybe they take a lateral move here or there. But overall, there's an arc 
where they continue to to grow and rise and you have to be willing to take that shot unfortunately is what i see i personally i I probably give it too long i've been waiting you know giving it five years at a place i go and I, i you know like in order to really learn it and to and to be fully immersed and a full sale cycle with reaping the benefits of all the renewals and everything else i figure a five-year stretch is good enough but three people now have showed me that it really should be every two to three years based on earnings and how quickly your earnings will increase because once you're at a certain place you basically get what you're going to get early on and then you'll get minimal increases from there unless it is a substantial promotion um and the only way to really get the only way to, to get more money like that substantially is to make that move and to, and to be willing to walk out. Sometimes it doesn't work. Um, yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of been my journey. Two to three, two to three years is usually, usually the sweet spot. Cause like you don't want to get caught in that trap of like, Oh yeah, I got a pay raise. Oh cool. It's 50 cents more an hour or a dollar more an hour. It's like, well, no, uh, you're underpaying me to begin with, so pony the fuck up. Right. But you can just you can just go do that elsewhere. Um, and it's pretty much across the board. I mean, if you can look around, just ask yourself what you're making, and then go look on sites and see. Look at that range. Like, just by getting the right interview and you know applying to the right jobs, you could you could be doing the same job or something a little higher that you'd be otherwise completely qualified for and making like 10 15 20k more a year um one of my ex-co-workers did it for example she went from god she went from making like 40k a year um to making 65k a year so that's 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 substantial and that's that was my pretty big jump that was my jump too i went from like 45 to 60 it wasn't quite that jump i went 45 to 60 when i was in my 20s and i I took a different gig where i was more responsibility and and um at the time i was working with with car dealerships and i managed six dealerships worth instead of two and that's when i got a substantially higher salary and they gave me a demo and a whole bunch it was really cool then that was years and years ago that was another life um, yeah, a couple yeah. ways figuring out how to ask for how much to ask, look up the CPI, which is currently 6.8%. Um, but you also have to think about not just this year, but to think about a year from now or two years from now, where is that salary going to mm-hmm. look compared to the cost of living then? Because you're probably not going to get another raise between now and then, you know, and, and this is one of the things that I want to talk about next. Um, after we get through all this. I have a good idea now. I, I came up with a, a thought about UPS guys and and their cost of living increase that they just got in their in their agreement that they that literally just got ratified today with Teamsters and UPS. Um, so we can talk about that in a few minutes. But uh, figure out how to do re- salary research online. Talk to your coworkers. Of course, there's Glassdoor. And if you're in sales, there's there's that site that we talk about called repview.com, R-E-P-V-U-E, and they actually do talk about total comp. They talk about base salary. They talk about commission. They look at the percentage of people that are, that are actually achieving quota, which is really good. They also look at stock options and the entire compensation package, which is really important um, to consider as well. But 
They're talking about, again, yeah. easing the burden, the cost of living burden. There's nothing wrong with asking your manager for benefits like meal plans, discount commuter passes, and subsidized travel. As long as you can make the case for it. No, but it's it's only going to offset their costs because they're just going to be able to then reduce their profitability, um, which means they pay less taxes, but still cover all their expenses. This it's, might be it's literally to pay us more money. Like it's so fucking simple. Right. All of these, like, well, if we can get, it's like, no, just just pay more money. Well, they're we, finding we know... ways to to keep the profitability in the business and not maintain ongoing recurring expense because that is what hurts businesses is overhead cost, consistent monthly uh -huh. fixed overhead cost, and part of that is salaries, large part of that. So the less they have yep. to spend on salaries, the more money they get to take home. Right. Um, my favorite priority, like, my favorite's always been, always, it's been when, like, it's when you just finish having a talk with your, with your boss on how, like, there's no possible way they can pay you more, and then you receive, like, some kind of, like, braggy email from, like, the company head bragging about, like, the record growth and the record profits, and it's just, like, yeah. Well, y'all are doing really well here. Yeah, something done, um, something done square. Um, yeah. Now here, here's someone. Here's that same guy from Robert Half. When, when uh, pandemic restrictions were lifted, workers were left thinking about their jobs and how to make jobs work better for them. And they started think, asking for all these other benefits. Employers who aren't sensitive to that will fall behind. Well, that is a nice way to say, you know, like that. That's a nice sentiment to. Please don't ask for more money. Just ask for perks. Um, yeah, no. Okay. Can can one of the perks be you paying my fucking rent? Can right. you give me a house? Right. Can I have a house? How about a housing stipend? Can you, a house? right. can, you write, can you can you write off a house? Company housing. Um, yeah. The problem is, is that it, then they literally like they can fire you and kick you out of your house. So I don't know if I really want that yeah, either. Yeah. I would rather get a housing stipend. Yeah, that's true. Cause like that's that's a little too close to neo feudalism, which we're already flirting with way too much. We're halfway there so. already. But yeah, but also we're not linked, living on a prayer. Also linked in this article about asking for a raise was about demanding that you return to the office, which I also thought was a pretty interesting argument from last month in this same article. Mm -hmm. And of course, the the business hopium is talking about and I gotta tell you, I was at a family function two days ago with business owners. They own a very successful real estate brokerage in New Jersey. And um, uh -huh. they could not believe that they're absolutely convinced that being in the office is more productive and better because they've been buying into the chud bait, into the, into the CEO corpse speak bait that they've been dropping in business insider and all this nonsense, even though every study has shown that remote work is more productive for the employees. You have happier employees who can do it in less amount of time, the exact same amount of work, and it's more flexible. But now what they're saying is, is that since Google mandating workers back to the office three days a week, right? The question's going to be, can they legally do it? So what I know you've got some, some thoughts on mandating back to work. Um, I love mandating everything, as you know. Um, they're my favorite things in the world. I think everything should be mandated. 
Attendance um, records. Can, yeah, I think uh, I think I think we should just have a permanent boot nailed to the back of our necks at all points of time. Um. Okay. <clears throat> so, like, the biggest problem with this, and um, I I'm by no means a legal expert, so I'm not gonna call, I'm not gonna speak to like legality of it all. Um, the problem, the biggest problem with all of this is that the cat's already out of the fucking bag. Um, you know, when, once you realize that these, these silly office situations are not needed, um, you know, the argument just falls flat. Um, but again, and I mentioned this before, I mean, it's, I mean, you can demand people come back to the office, but. I mean, <laughs> Will Ferrell, yes, all, it is. <laughs> it, all it all it takes is your all it takes is your competitor to say yes. You can work from home because the competitor doesn't give a shit. Um, and then all of a sudden, you're going to grab all the best talent because it's like, okay, well, unless you're paying for transit time and you're paying for gas or you know commuting. Um, you know, unless you're paying for meals at the office and all that other shit, unless you're giving like serious incentives for people to come back to the office, all it takes is that company that's going to be like, no, nah, you can work from home. They're going to get all the best talent. You're going to get the people who don't get hired by those companies. It's going to become like a remote work friendly uh, company's market. At least the ones that it's most important to. Yeah. Um, but yes. Uh, so force you to return to the office. This this is going to be interesting. This is really interesting because they said that many employees worked from home from an office pre-pandemic were told that their work assignments were only temporary, or they even signed contracts that specifically said that we can bring you back at any time. For those workers, a mandatory return is with it's probably within their right. Probably, however, mm-hmm. other employees might be in a different situation. Like if they were hired into what seemed like permanent remote jobs, but they were now told by their managers that it was unlikely they'd ever return. They could create a liability for themselves by changing the conditions of work in such a way. So workers with disabilities or caregiving responsibilities, like having kids, mm-hmm. um, allowing those employees to work from home unless it would cause undue hardship on the organization, which they'll find a way to say, right? But this is really interesting. This Toronto employment lawyer says that up until a few months ago, the answer was unequivocally that, yes, they could mandate you back to the office. However, the understanding was that when these COVID safety concerns ended, that the employees would go back. But now they've ended, and it's well past the window of having any legal necessity to keep people home, yet they've been managing to keep people home for way longer. So remote oh workers, my God. But remote workers are now saying that since they were permitted to stay home, that means that the terms of their terms of employment changed by default. They have now become remote employees. So it is a constructive dismissal to mandate them back to work. That's threading a needle. I don't know how many judges and maybe you'll have to have some kind of worker friendly judge that that sides with this this lawyer saying so if they decide to challenge this law. But here, I'd wrestle with a single sentence for an hour, distracted by ringing phones and lively water cooler gossip. Once I began working remotely, I produced quality work at triple the speed. Working remotely works best for me. Yes. Huh. How about that? 
And here's the study that showed productivity increased by 7.5% with no dips in customer satisfaction. I mean, no dips in CSAT? Well, of course not, because someone's going to be happier and they're going to be able to deliver better CX. And handle more customers in the same amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm not having to talk to my stupid idiot boss or, or your stupid idiot with, co-workers yeah yeah deal with annoying fucking extrovert people who are just like i just want to like talk your face off while we're all trying to work because i hate my life and i'm trying to distract from it sorry that wasn't fair um it's just a personal experience i had where i once upon a time had a job where i and it's really hard right because like some with ADHD plus extroverts is like, holy fuck, that's hell. Um, because you're trying to put your head down and focus, and focusing is already like the, the garlic to your vampire. Um, and then you have like, oh my god, great, a distraction. Cool. You Every just distraction under my the sun. Yep. Yeah, and it's like, great. So this is like, I'm, op- I, I'm operating at a handicap already because I'm already easily distractible. And before you know it, I haven't gotten all my shit done, and it's 5 p.m., and I got to clock out. And uh, it's because a lot of my day was distracted by outside influence. If I'm at my home, I'm literally just in, in this room, in my home office, in, in the in the Brad Cave, as I call it. <laughs> I've never called it that before. I just made that up on the spot, so oh, whatever. Oh, but, <laughs> Brad Cave. Um, the Brad Cave. I can just force myself to do nothing but the task at hand. There's nothing around me. Well, except... except Everything. Except, right. a, except a little furry... Anyway. Meow. Right. Um, exactly. But, um, you know, I, I can just have kit, kittens in my lap. But that's opposed to, like, I have to actually... You're obligated to talk to these people. That's my least favorite thing about the office. Like, if it's a co-worker, you can't just ignore them. Because then you're going to come off as like Dennis Reynolds, right? Or like, it's just going to be weird. It's bad oh. etiquette. And if it's your boss, you have to fucking talk to them, even if they like don't have anything going on. And I don't know if y'all have had this before, but I have where the boss obviously doesn't have a lot on their plate. So they kind of just want to come socialize. And it's like, okay, well, you're going to be the one also yelling at me because I didn't, I didn't get, get my work done. People. Right. I didn't well, get the TPS reports done. This this is amazing though. Working from home eliminates racism apparently. No, well, what? microaggressions and other hardships, especially felt by equity deserving communities, whether that be in terms of gender, sexuality, or race, because seventy five percent of Black Canadians, seventy percent of non white Canadians experience racism in the workplace. So therefore, they may want to stay home because they they may experience racism because most of them do at some point. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, but microaggressions. That's the other microaggressions. Oh man, this is this is I when saw, they talk about like woke stuff. That that's what they talk about. Like, uh, look. Yeah, I know. There's there's yeah. stuff I don't even think about, and people are all kinds of shitty to other people in the office. So I don't want to crap on any of that stuff. But that just seems over the top. But. What does the future work look like, right? As long as workers are able to unite and push for what they need and what they want, we can actually sort of set the agenda for how we interact the workplace, blah, 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 blah. Workplace decisions. That sounds like some, that sounds like some commie shit. 
Yeah, I'm just right. Say. Sounds like some dirty shit. Now, uh, that's the only part is, of the article I'm really hitting with, to be honest. Like, the yeah, lawyer okay, says, well, the lawyer, the lawyer believes that in office works best. Sharing anecdata that billable hours at his firm dropped by 35% in the early months of the pandemic when his colleagues were working from home. That's not why you weren't getting hired for as many gigs. It wasn't that I think employers have made a massive mistake in not ordering people to go back to work a long time ago. So now he's saying that now they've opened themselves up to a liability to be sued by their employees potentially for changing the terms of work. Which, well, yeah, let's yeah. do that. I'm down. I'm going to be honest, this article hits different given the recent rumblings about COVID restrictions. Um, well, it's like, okay, wait, 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 wait. What direction are we going here? Because, like, are we preparing for another, like, okay, everybody back to home after we're trying to get them back in the office like what direction are we trying to trying to steer the ship in here yeah two more weeks to stop the spread right oh my god i can't believe like i there are places that are already re-implementing mandates in my area <sighs> um there was a college like, in okay, atlanta apparently i just saw that something yep. about a college in the atlanta area that all students and faculty mask mandate requirement. Oh. Yeah, and then there, and then you know where it's going. It's like, okay, well, the masks themselves aren't working, so now we got to lock. I think this is all like this is just my personal opinion, y'all. I think this is all centered around the fall booster campaign they got going on, because I'm I'm gonna spoil it for everybody, but our governments are owned by the pharmaceutical industries it's just mm -hmm. kind of a fact you can look this up you can google it for fuck's sake it takes about 10 seconds um but i mean they got a big booster campaign it's not just covid booster they got a flu and another weird one um they're gonna combine them apparently so that your flu shot and your yeah. covid shot are the same thing because just like trump said it's like a flu it's like a flu Makes my heart swell with pride. It's like a flu. Oh my god, um, oh, man. dude! And and Alex Jones saying that he he heard from the TSA people. Lockdowns are coming back. Mass mandates coming back. Okay, we'll we'll see. I'm by December. We're I gonna sure, have full COVID restrictions completely restored. I sure. Oh goodness, I I sure hope not. So. This was the other thing, like I said, I wanted to talk about tonight, which was the Teamsters and UPS. And um, I've been studying this and I've been tracking this since this thing. They started really talking about it back, God, two years ago. Um, the Teamsters said they wanted to, to unionize Amazon. And then they were talking about UPS. And this has been leading up for months in July, they really got loud, and we covered on how do we miss that every week. Basically, we were talking about what's going on with, with the workers. They were having practice strikes. They were really preparing to go on strike August 1st, um, and then mm -hmm. and, and management had walked away from the table. Uh, they played a little game where at the toward the end of July, the pilots turned turned around, 
apparently in cahoots with the union leadership at Teamsters and said, if these guys go on strike, we're not going to fly. Which then brought the UPS executives back to the table. Okay, great. Yeah. Now, with that kind of leverage, you would think that the Teamsters would hold out to get every single thing that they wanted in this deal and wouldn't take the first thing offered to them on the first day of negotiations. But that's what happened. Not only that, but then they ran around and spiked the football as if they just got the biggest win in history when there are substantial things that did not get gained. And now they're gaslighting people by saying that they had to make no concessions when that's not true either. Now, what's really disappointing about all of this is a few things. I talked about how I was at a family function this weekend at a, and I saw people, distant cousins that we had not seen since pre-COVID. And the first news story that they decided that they wanted to share with us and, and have a conversation and thought it would be a good thing to share a conversation about was, did you hear UPS drivers are making $170,000 a year now? And my head wanted to explode. Because they're Jesus believing. God. Now, what, what's really interesting here is that this was a coordinated piece of propaganda that was put out by every major newspaper across the country about a week and a half ago. And I saw it in my news feed for all of the um, the local the local newspapers for not just my area, but I have a couple other accounts that are registered to different zip codes. So I saw those local news feeds, and it's literally the same article republished, almost like an Associated Press type of thing, where it's one piece of propaganda disseminated throughout the entire country to all papers. And it talked about that, hey, isn't it great that UPS drivers make 170000 a year? It, they were literally repeating the headline. The problem is, and I explained this to our family members, and I'm, I know I don't have to explain this to Himbo because he's been watching and paying attention, but that 170000 is only for drivers that have been full-time with the company for more than 25 years and have maxed out on everything with overtime yeah. and everything else. The average starting worker for UPS that's a Teamster, first of all, you can't get hired for full-time work right away. They only hire you at part-time, and they are now only guaranteeing you four hours per day. Until this new contract was ratified, and you can see today that it was ratified, they were making, I think, $16.50, $16.65, $15.16 an hour, somewhere around that. That was the starting salary, uh, hourly wage for a warehouse worker or for a starting part-time driver on four hours a day. Max, I think it was. That's all they're getting. 80 bucks a day. Not even. Before taxes. They also said that they would put air conditioning. Oh, dude, it's, it's so brutal. All right, but but then this gaslight that the whole world believes that now all UPS drivers make $170,000 a year because the article said so. So $30 billion contract. Now, what's really disappointing now, I don't know if you know who More Perfect Union is. They're actually a pretty good outlet. They're mm -hmm. one of the better labor outlets. Yeah. They were no, started I, by... Uh, I called, called them. Yeah. They, they I, were started uh, by Fashikir. 
who is Bernie Sanders, who was Bernie Sanders campaign manager. All right. But this is propaganda on behalf of Teamster leadership. However, and, and this is what I mean. Teamster members who work at UPS voted to approve a historic contract with shipping conglomerate, which goes through 2028, passed with 86.4% of the vote. All right. Now that is a very high percentage of the people who voted and a record 58% of the union's eligible 340,000 members voted. Why did they all vote yes? Because their barns told them to vote yes. Why did the barns tell them to vote yes? Well, I was told by people within Teamsters that the barns can't say no. One barn in Kentucky stepped out and first recommended that their members say no. They got chastised so hard, they had to pull it back and go, no, 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 that, we were saying no about a procedural thing. No, 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 say yes about this. When they saw that all 161 other barns said yes, they got in line. So what it says here is that the new master agreement calls for raises of $750 per hour over five years for both full and part-time members. But that's also based on seniority, 50 cents an hour per five years of service. This is how they get you every single fucking time. Right. Full-time delivery drivers will earn $49 an hour by the end of the contract. So they're not getting that now. And that's what that's a number that was thrown out at me at this family affair. It's, ah, drivers get $37 to $49 an hour. First of all, not all of them. And second of all, not yet. Not for five years. Part-time workers. People never say that. Well, They'll just take the shit in a vacuum and they'll use it to. It's not that. It's not that. What the point is, is that it was omitted from the article. So these people never even had the data point to be able to know it because they never dug any further. I did because this is what I do for how do we miss that and what we do in independent media. We dig deeper and we, mm-hmm. we know that the corporate media is bullshit and spinning a narrative on behalf of a corporate framing. Now, these people are highly corporate friendly and they are wealthy so they're this is right in their warehouse and when i basically told them all of this they were their their reaction was meh okay like they didn't give a shit as long as my packages and i get my yep. amazon who gives a fuck yep it was disheartening it was disheartening i wanted to my i wanted to freaking punch punch a wall but so the ups part-timers are going to make a minimum of 21 an hour which is a significant increase from the 16 and a quarter rate in most circumstances what they're not telling you is that the barns all said 25 an hour or we strike. Notice that's yep. nowhere in this article. They will never acknowledge that this is what they actually were. By the end of the contract, some part-timers will be making at least 25.75, except that the minimum is 23. What happened to 25 or strike? You never even got close to 25 for the starting. Local wage adjustments, known as market rate adjustments, and other specific regional specific clauses were negotiated separately in 45 supplementary agreements. And we got to find out what the hell's in all those, but 44, of the 45 were also approved by local members. The one is in Kentucky. Like I said, right. Contract hammered out. It's depressing. So bad. It's it's depressing how watered down this guy already. (laughs) Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. So, but Notice, again, they're not giving you any details of what was in the contract other than the fact that Jimmy Hoffa, last Jimmy Hoffa Jr., he was terrible, and that he he negotiated a terrible contract the last two times in 2013 and 2018, and that, oh, 
Sean O'Brien, even though he's an ally to Hoffa, he actually did a whole lot better. Right. By former Hoffa ally. He was elected in 2022 on the promise that he'd lead that tough and uncompromising negotiation. Right. Only he was talking to Biden this whole time. So here's what really talking to him now. Well, supposedly Biden was basically saying, don't do it. Don't do it. You want to fuck the Democratic Party? Don't do it. You're going to screw yourself. You're going to screw the party. And then you're going to hand this over to Republicans. And are Republicans doing anything for you guys, big labor? No. You got no shot, but with us. You got no shot with them either. But at least least we'll listen. They won't even listen to you. They're too busy listening to the Catholic Church. Right? The Teamsters list of demands was not insignificant. Right? They had to get out of the... Here's the propaganda talking about how bad it was. UPS agreed to drop that provision about the, 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 the... dual wage scale, which they still have. This is such bullshit. Every UPS truck will be equipped with air conditioning. No, every new off-the-line UPS truck will be equipped with air conditioning. They're lying again. As ACs aired into the trucks, the driver-facing cameras the UPS had had used to monitor will be also removed as part of the agreement. But not all of them. But not all of them. And... The AC will only be added to 28,000 of the 90,000 trucks in the fleet. And every truck that comes off the line today will not have air conditioning and will be in service till about 2040. They will still have drivers not having air conditioning through the next decade and a half. They don't tell you any of that either. All right, here, the part-time workers, the victory is both significant and Somewhat bittersweet. Okay, so they did here acknowledge the $25 an hour salary right out of the gate. And look at how they actually softened this. They did agree to hire at least 7,000 full-time employees. The the talk was that if it wasn't at least 10,000 more, that that's a loss. Right? O'Brien won his election with the support of the part-timers. He fucked them over badly, knowing that more than 50% of the union was part-time. All right. The contract seen largely as a victory for the union allows them to avert what would have been a very costly strike. Eight hundred billion and eight hundred million a day, I believe, is what they were talking about in, in money. All right. Teamsters will also save a significant amount of money, which can now be put towards his most ambitious a- initiative, organizing Amazon. He's also probably going to get a healthy bonus, I would guess, for having to avoid having to pay out strike fund pay. Even though he just blew the yellow freight shit, by the way. The nation's next major contract battle is taking place at UAW, right? And now they're talking about UAW. But Sean Fain, who's their president, he also is talking to Biden and he's literally following the same path as as Teamsters and as Sean O'Brien. And guess what the corporate media is going to do for him when he negotiates a 60% raise over five years? which barely keeps up with the cost of living and doesn't really give anyone a way a, a, a real way raise. I'm just spitting mad and disgusted. This is so <laughs> it's so depressing like when you realize that like this is where we're at in so far as like these are the workers who are trying to fight for this. They're literally the fucking people. And I know I've said this before, I don't care, it bears repeating. Um, 
these are the people who are literally putting food on your table. Um, these are labor is the reason why you have everything in the room you're in right now when you're watching me speak. Um, the workers are the ones generating the fucking value, and they're the ones who have to fight like this just to just to get enough like it's it's never anything ridiculous nobody's saying like you know i want to i want an airship i don't know why i said airship that's ridiculous i don't care i'm going with it nobody's saying they want an airship nope they're just saying hey i i i'd like to not starve to death please i'd like to be able to keep up on my bills healthcare like please to, is like the meme be, yeah, I'd like to maybe shovel my way out of all this fucking debt I'm in. Because up here in Canada, that's two-thirds of the whole country. You can look that up. That's actually, unfortunately, a reality now. Um, and these are the people who are creating all of... Generating all of the value. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, we're literally making the world go round. Like, we're the reason why everything happens. And we've got to basically live on our knees for this bullshit when we've got this, and I'm not even going to call them the capitalist class anymore. I'm just going to call them the parasite class. When you've got this fucking parasite on our back, that's just like, no, I don't think so. And it's like, okay, well, you know what? Like, <clears throat> I almost want to like, I'm sorry. I almost want to like start encouraging you know, like, workers to be like, okay, what if we kind of hinted that we're trying to do this a nice way and the other way is not so much of a nice way and you can Google the word Lenin if you'd like to figure out where that goes. Right. Because um, holy fucking shit, like, this is, this is like, okay, let's have a talk. Let's negotiate it. Like... <sighs> Look at history for what comes next, motherfuckers. It's 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 a lot less advantageous to yourselves than what we're trying to figure out here, right? Yeah, I mean, I just I, I feel for I feel for those part timers, and more importantly, and they don't even make mention of the warehouses. A lot of these guys work in warehouses. They work in the air hubs. INN's Joe works in the Philadelphia air hub. As a matter of fact. Um, mm -hmm. they didn't get air conditioning in their warehouses, though that was also something that they said they were going to negotiate for. There is also something about this two-tier wage thing. How is it that full-timers are still going to be making this and part-timers make, make a whole lot less? Why shouldn't everybody make the same hourly wage? And it should just be you pay them differently based upon their seniority, but number of hours that they're given out it should all be the same. Like every, whether they're part-time, full-time, that's also a two-tier wage system. And that did not get eliminated. Because they're looking, because they're looking where they can, again, like this makes a lot more sense to everyone. Once you realize like the system we live under, there's always going to be concerted ongoing consistent efforts to reduce the amount that they pay their labor so if they get away with like okay well fuck we have to pay the full-timers more then they're gonna look okay where where can we offset this where can we 
because at the end of the day, it's all about growth and it's all about profits. So in a more just sort of society and a more just kind of system, yeah, that would make sense. It's like, why yeah. are you fucking these people over here over? Now, two of the other things that they didn't include anywhere in here was um, Sundays. Potentially, there is the potential that they might have to work Sundays in this contract because that is to keep up with um, the market, quote unquote, because if Amazon deliveries and and FedEx decides that they want to start doing Sunday deliveries, now UPS has opened themselves up to competitive market adjustment to be able to require their workers to now work on Sundays. They also, uh, there was, they did get no forced overtime, which is nice, <laughs> but that's an absolute bare minimum. There was one other thing um, that they, they also didn't win, but, but we're saying that this was a record historic victory and it's, the gaslight is so wrong on the workers, but what's worse is the workers don't even realize themselves how badly this was negotiated because they were propagandized by their barns about how this all went down. They were put into practice strikes and told that it was going to come down. And then it was, well, this is the best deal we can make. And, the, and we brought corporate to their knees, but they didn't give us everything we wanted. Why didn't we go out on strike? They still can't answer that question. Why did they cave? And that's, and that's the problem. If you're always going to be like, this is the line I'm drawing. This is the line in the sand. And then you move the line back. It's like, okay, well, like, we're, ne we're never going to move forward if you're if you're taking steps backward that's never going to happen um you've got to be like okay this is the limit if if we can't go here then we're going to act and this is kind of the problem this is a big problem i'm seeing across the board too and I don't blame anybody for this. We've been so propagandized into thinking that, like, the working class are literally just peons, um, <clears throat> you know, and these these big rich people who are like so much better than us at nothing but just being sociopathic and exploiting everybody, um, that they're the ones holding the cards. And I think one of the most important things we need to do in our lifetimes is remind the working class that. We're the ones holding the cards. We always have been. Mm. They need us. We put food on their fucking tables. And I think this is a good example of like the wrong kind of mindset. Me kind of commenting on this charitably. Um, but obviously I have my own theories as to uh, less charitable conclusions. Um, we We need people to realize that labor labor should always be holding the cards because like nobody's buying another yacht nobody's buying a third house without labor without those people working and uh exploiting their labor making a bolt yeah, yeah. without without so, their, their labor being exploited 
I remember the, the final point that they didn't mention in the article was about personal vehicle deliveries or PVDs, which now was also part of the contract that had never been before. But UPS is offering some of these part-timers the ability to get more hours by delivering packages in their own personal vehicles so that they don't have to use the trucks as much, or maybe they're just doing deliveries on their way home so they don't clock out at the... St- I don't know exactly how that works, but PVDs are absolutely part now of this. And that was something that the union was also trying to negotiate to eliminate. So how do you say there's no concessions when that continues? It's a gaslight. Here's my, here's my question is, is like fuel reimbursed? If you're like, so you're driving around delivering shit in your personal vehicle. So is like gas reimbursed um are they just saying so. okay well you can just drive yeah i hope so i would like, guess, i would guess that they're, they're expensing saying, well, for for the car but still they'll pay you x amount per mile whatever that rate is that is whatever the federally mandated rate that a drive like in in the u.s i think it was 50 and a half cents a mile or something like that that they would pay out to an employee for commuter expense basically that's what the tax liability expense if you have to deduct how much the cost of commuting is um and and submit that there's a maximum that the federal government allows a business to expense out and it's like 50 and a half or 50 once it changes every year how much per mile they can write off as you know cost of vehicle operation um yeah so that's another thing, you know, so it's basically like Uber for UPS delivery drivers. But why are they not allowing them to do that in the trucks? Just give them more working hours if that's the case and hire more full-timers. Oh, yeah, UPS in the last yep. two years, $100 billion in revenue and $8.6 in stock buybacks for their shareholders in the last three years, which could have paid for everything that the union wanted over the next five years it's madness but they just don't want to pay people more it's straight greed and this is by the way on top of like this isn't like this isn't like all of this is going to be cutting out of someone's pocket everybody's making money here this is like just excess um and again, the only reason why they're doing that well is because they're exploiting their workers to begin with. Um, well, I've always, every I always felt, I've always felt like those brags were like, "Oh, we're creating record growth." I don't think that's even like a message to the shareholders. I think that's a power move for the workers as well. Insofar as like, yeah, we're fucking you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Seriously, because um, well, like, I enjoy shit. it. Well, that's that Nancy would yeah, agree exactly. with you there. So um I I think that's that's about all I had for tonight, but I just wanted to rail about UPS and Teamsters because that happened tonight and Reef doesn't want me to talk about it on Sundays. It's making him crazy to hear about labor, every freaking story. And I figure since this is a show about working and workers and not being able to work and nobody who wants to work, look at the here's another case where UPS Teamsters, part-timers, they want to work. They can't get the hours. They can't get the salary. They can't get the working conditions. 
And now for the next five years, they're going to continue to not get what they actually earn, deserve, and deliver and produce for a company that is making record profits. So, and if they try and get another job, they're going to be in our fucking seats. So, well, they're there all, they go. already have to have another job because they're they're only part timers for the most part. Unless you've been there 10, 15, 20 years, you don't even earn your spot to go full time unless somebody else retires or leaves or drops dead. I mean, that's literally how guys are getting these jobs, but now only 7,000 or 7,500 will be converted to full time from part time. That means there are right now 193,000 part-timers that don't see any path to going full-time unless somebody leaves ahead of them. And they signed off on this, and we're excited to sign off on it. That's a gaslight. That's not knowing mm -hmm. what the value of your labor is. And I feel for all oh, these, for, I feel for all these UPS teamsters, really, like... So, I hate yeah. to depress everybody, but hey, nobody wants to work anymore, right? Yeah, except for the people who do want to work, and they're they're not able to. But, you know, everybody's just going to be like, yeah, everybody's entitled and lazy. And I've heard this bullshit for, like, decades now. We're just like, yeah, like, what's the deal with, like, all these people who, like, just aren't, like, playing ball anymore? What's the like, deal? Okay, well, What's the deal with airplane food? Um, yeah, I I do a terrible Jerry's. That was so very Seinfeldian. That what's the deal was a very Seinfeldian thing you just pulled there. So, all right, guys. Yeah. Well, I you know, Brendan Circus is his dude back on Thursday night. I don't even know when this is going to run. We'll see. Um, th this week we're going to run it Thursday night, so we'll see it on Thursday on INN. I appreciate everybody watching this. Uh, this is, again, it's a little bit of therapy for both of us, I think. Um, we have some fun. We get some stuff out. And uh, hopefully we learn something along the way. Next week we'll get back to probably applying for more jobs. But um, it's funny. Yeah. We got Labor Day coming up soon, too. How about that? That's funny. But remember to keep questioning everybody's motivations, but that nobody wants to work anymore. And I'll let you sign off and say goodnight. My man. Brad Ballinger, Snow Himbo. And uh, as always, thank you. Thanks, y'all, for uh, tuning in. Um, and I appreciate all the kind words, by the way. Um, you know, feel good stuff. And uh, good luck out there, everybody, because it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a den of sharks. Oh, yeah. Remember, like, share, subscribe to the stream. I didn't even mention that the whole time. So thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Indie News Network, collaborative family of independent content creators, co-hosted normally by me, Indy. I'm founder and editor of Indie Left News and Indie Media Today. I got Reef Freeland sitting next to me. At Indie News. It's Andrew Rivera on the Handsome Cynic. It's politics and survival. Uh, my name is Jesse Jett. It's American tradition. Dub Space Monkeys. Welcome to Political Fight Club. I'm Robert Durden. I mean, I mostly make Art Brian and Big Man Crab Joe. Keep up those great videos. Hey guys, it's Yeti. Coming at you. Hello, my name is Lucy from Big Moon Red Wine. This is Chris Legion.
keep fighting that good fight out there, guys. I'll talk to you later. Who are these people?